Hi, my friends who listen to Future Primitive. Here we are again, which is my pleasure. And today I am with Jan van Islestein. And she is a fluent speaker in the Manchu Tungus language spoken by the Alchi culture. She lectures on classical shamanism through the University of Washington, Burke Museum, Antioch, and Bastyr University in Seattle, Washington. Her publications have appeared in both Shaman's Drum and Sacred Hoop magazine. She is a contributing author to the book First Fish, First People, Salmon Tales of the North Pacific Rim, University of Washington Press. She continues her research into pre-technical medical practices of indigenous culture and the territories of the southeastern Siberia. I'm holding in my hands her amazing book called Spirits from the Edge of the World, Classical Shamanism in Ulchi Society. Welcome, Jan. Thank you so very much, and thank you for having me on your program. I've been looking forward to this, so thank you again. Good, good, good. So, the Ulchi people of Siberia, let's have a little retrospective of your your trip, your journey towards learning about this culture. You know, the first thing, people always ask me, you know, who are these people and how did I meet them? Um, And I'd like to just give a a brief background. It was during uh, the period of Perestroika and Glasnost by um, uh, Gorbachev, Mm -hmm. where uh, Soviet uh, people were allowed for the first time to own their own passport. So I, I had never heard of these people, but a gentleman who was making a trip to the United States for the first time, he was coming to the U.S. to hopefully get an exhibition of artifacts from these tribes over to our local museums. Well, when he got here, um, he didn't understand how museums work, how museums would book years and years and years in advance for an exhibit. Uh, But he ended up coming to a, he was introduced by a friend of mine to me, and I owned a bookstore and gallery in Seattle, Washington at that time. And he came, and uh, he had nowhere to place these artifacts, so he took them into my gallery, and he gave some lectures, and he talked about these people, and I hadn't heard about them. But I became so fascinated by his stories uh, his name was is Victor Bondarenko. I said, Victor, when you get back, would you consider asking these people to come here? It's one thing to look at their artifacts, but I would really like to meet them. 
So he set up a program, and they started coming to the United States in 1994. And, um, you know, little did I know that later on that would, my connection to them would end up becoming my life's work. So they came to the U.S., and they came here once or twice a year for over 25 years. And um, so they're a very small group. There are about nine uh, Manchu-Tunga-speaking tribes in southeastern Siberia, and they are one of them. In fact, there are less than 2,500 members of the tribe left, and they will probably go extinct in this century, which is... um, sad mm-hmm. uh, and so that's um and for those out there that don't know where i'm talking about i mean siberia is if you were to take all of north america and combine it with all of europe that's the landmass of siberia so for listeners what i would say is that if you can go to japan if you can think in your mind of japan and then go north to the most northern island, which is Hokkaido. There's another island just north of there called Sakhalin, Mm -hmm. and they are inland on the mainland from Sakhalin Island. So that hopefully gives people kind of a geographical idea of where these folks come from. So how, um, how much of their decision to stay to feed their own culture is their own choice besides the fact that they're they are isolated landwise because that's a very interesting part is that your 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 reporting here about an elegant sophisticated primitivity that is chosen by these people Um, their their philosophy is based on uh, a word called doro, and that is a Manchu Tungus word for Taoism. So they um, are in a group of people that have always followed um, a path, a very, as I said, it's kind of an archaic Taoist way of, of being in the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, so, I mean, they... Um, they were. I, they can't, I, I, I'm, and I'm sorry if I if I didn't understand your question correctly. But um, yeah, they just uh, they they came here out of just a, a sense of adventure. I mean, they they had you know exactly. they, they yeah. yeah they just yeah. said okay, well we'll go to the United States. That sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> right, right. I see. I see. And uh, I mean. What was their point of view when uh, they came in contact with uh, such a technological society? Well, it, you know, they, they, I get that question a lot. Yeah. When they first came to the United States now, you know, one thing that I would like to, to say, first of all, some of them had never left their villages, but some of them were actually... Uh, quite uh, adventurous travelers and during uh, the soviet period in in russia uh, some of them had been uh, sent to france and italy and switzerland uh, in these various programs where the so 
Soviet government would send out indigenous people yeah. to go and, and perform their folk arts or their dances, etc., for, uh, you know, for European audiences. So some of them had, as I said, had experience in Europe, and some of them had never left their villages. Okay. So getting here yeah. to the United States was amazing for them to see what Western culture was all about was what uh, was very curious their take on on how Western society lives. Now you asked me about that question yeah. of technology, yeah. and it's and they have you know they have no problem with technology. Uh, I remember a group of uh, it was a group of. Uh, Oh, filmmakers from the University of California who came up to interview them. And they asked them all these things about technology, et cetera, et cetera. And they say, oh, no, it's great. It's wonderful. It's great. As long as, it, as, long as it's in balance with your life, that's perfectly fine. It was curious at the very beginning of my contact with them, and you're going to remember this, Joanna, because mm -hmm. we're about the same age. Yeah. I had to call them, and it would take three hours right. for me to get through to them. Do you remember the oh. old IOC ship-to-shore operators? Yeah, I do. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, you get this. Okay, yeah, yeah. so I would get on the phone, and this was a time that there was like two phones in their village. You know, they live out in the hinterlands here, yeah. and I would get on my phone in Seattle, and I'd get, I'd get taken to the IOC operators in Chicago, right. and then they would route me uh, from Chicago to New York, and then into Moscow, yeah. and then they had to route me from Moscow all the way over to the Pacific side, Pacific Ocean side mm -hmm. of their country. And so from the moment I got on the phone till the time I reached them, it would take two and a half, <laughs> I'm not, I, and I'm not exaggerating, two and a half to three hours to make these kind of connections, these various links. Oh, um, oh, I and then... Sorry. You know, it's like, okay, I mean, I ended up having amazing, intimate relationships with these various with operators. operators. <laughs> <laughs> because I would, they would have to sit with me for hours on these phones. I got to know their family and their kids and this and that, and, you know, it was crazy. But by the end of our connection, yeah. I was able to call them on cell phones. Right, right. Okay. So I, yeah. I just, the whole beginning of cell phone and computers and technology that came in later on it's you know it was quite an adventure for them but you know they all have cell phones they all have cell phones but you see you're answering my really clumsy question from before which really was about how do they feel about their creation myth and their relationship with nature when they see what we are living in these well, they places. just see it out of balance. Okay, that was. They just see it out of balance. You know, you, you know, they, um, you know, technology is abs is absolutely wonderful because yeah. here's something very curious. In their language, they don't have the word for artificial. How about wow. that? There's no artificial. There's nothing man-made. Oh, wow. Everything is natural and comes from nature. They don't make that distinction. And, and that's another thing as well. They're non-dualist. Mm. 
Yep. So like anything, it's like, great, you know, have the technology. That's wonderful. That's the natural evolution of our species at this time. Just don't, you know, spend 20 million hours a day on it. Right, right. Let, let, let's speak about the mammoths. The, I don't know how you say it's English. Mammoth? Mammoth? Mammoth, oh yeah. yeah. That uh, shared the, its secrets with the first shamans. Well, that's what I find to be very curious, is that they were not a literate culture until very recently. So that uh, now, now their language is being, of course, written in in the Cyrillic language. So the, all of their history has been an oral history. And their, and their earliest oral history in regards to shamanism goes back to the time where the mammoth mm. was the one that instructed the first shamans right. in the art. Mm. And so, um, you know, there's, there's been a lot of research since, uh, especially from the University of Cambridge, but genetically, uh, the Ulchi people DNA hasn't changed since their Mesolithic, Neolithic times, and they, as I said, they remember everything. Wow! They passed so, it on so carefully. They passed it on so carefully they to each passed other. Passed it on. Yeah. Now, who are we talking about when we say they? Are they Ulchi? Yes, I know, but specific specifically for instance your teacher Nadia uh, and, yes and uh, others. grandmother grandmother uh, Nijesta or uh, grandfather Misha grandmother Tika all the various uh, shamans that I worked with until until they passed away mm-hmm. what does the word uh, and practice shaman shamanism mean to them and what have you learned about what that is you know i don't think there is a shamanism uh-huh. right. i i i it's 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 quite curious it's something that is embedded in the culture but if you look at how and i don't mean to to sound contrary and or offend anyone, but if you look at how shamanism is being portrayed in the West, um, I can't make heads or tails of it. Yeah, I can't either. That's why uh, I'm asking you the question about um, your it's, friends. Well, it's um, it's 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 a it's a skill, it's a talent right. that everyone has in the culture. Uh, it, you know, Joanna, it would, it would be like me talking about singing. Well, anybody can learn to sing, right? Anybody can learn how to sing. That, and it's the same thing with shamanizing in their culture. Everybody does it. Everybody wow. does it. Now, to be, say, a great opera star like Renee Fleming or, mm-hmm. or Kiri Tikanoa or Beverly Sills, right? That takes s- some extra inborn talent. Mm-hmm. That's where I would place these shamans. They would, they would have a talent. Beautiful, beautiful. But everybody does it. 
Exactly. It's not some sort of special, special spooky knowledge that <laughs> you have to go and learn and it's a bunch of techniques. It has nothing to do with techniques. And, and, and do people who have developed this skill and perhaps have extra talent, uh, do, they, do they help people heal dis-ease? Do they? Uh, well, they uh, yes, they do. Yes, they, they, they do help people. Um, but th think about it this way, Joanna. Yeah. Okay, you get sick, right? Say you yeah. get a cold. Say you get this. Say yeah. you get this. So things are, things are topsy-turvy in your life. And so you say, okay, well, I know how to take care of myself, right? Oh, I'll just go take my echinacea or I'll yeah. take my, my vitamins or I'll get more rest or I'll, you know, everybody has their own way of curing themselves, right? Right. Right. Everybody's got that. So if something were to happen, say, say, um, psychologically or, or physically in themselves, everybody would just do their own healing. They'd do it themselves. Okay. And just like we would all, you know, put a bandaid or, or, or take some vitamins or take our herbal teas or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's only when things, when you, just like everybody else, you say you can't fix yourself, right? Yes. You go, okay, I've done this, I've done this, blah, 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 nothing's working. That you actually seek attention uh, outside of, you know, you'd say, okay, I've got to go to my naturopath or my doctor or this, that, and the other. It's the same with these people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And how do they practice? How, how do they practice? Well, they... Um, they just have their regular lives and they go out and they hunt and they fish and, and if somebody shows up and says, I'm not feeling well and, you know, I, and I, you know, could you, could you possibly help me? Well, the shaman may say, okay. Or the shaman may not want to work with you. They'll go, no, 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 no. I, you know, what, what's going on? They go, oh, no, no, no. We can't do that here. Go, go, go see this other shaman. Yeah, yeah. He or she's really good at that stuff mm -hmm. here. You, you go away and go there. Right, right. But it, it's not a full-time profession. I see, I see. Hmm. So, the relationship with nature the deep animism. Speak to us yes. about that. Well, it, for them, and as I said, I, 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 have, I have to be very specific when I talk about shamanism because there's so many things out there about shamanism. So to yes. define the parameters of what I'm speaking about, I'm only speaking about this culture. And yes, it was this culture in which the word shaman originally comes from so but i'm speaking specifically about this culture mm -hmm. okay and um nature um nature the universe yeah. is like a musical expression Beautiful. and there is no in, in a way there's no meaning there's no meaning to nature. There's no meaning to, <laughs> to the universe and reality. I know that makes it, that can make people really crazy. You're going, well, what's the meaning of my life? What's the purpose of my life? And if I were to if I were to approach it from an ultra standpoint, I'd say, well, 
it, there is no meaning. Nature is like a musical expression. It would be like me saying to you, Joanna, okay, um, uh, Mozart, I, I want you to tell me the meaning of Mozart's <laughs> violin concerto in B-flat. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't mean anything. What does it mean? Right. There's no meaning. It just, it is what it is. Yes. Yes. So their relationship to nature, as I said, is not unlike Taoism, where you are in a unified whole. You are a part of everything else. Um, as I said, they're non-dualistic, so they they don't believe in anything being artificial because they don't see human beings outside of nature. They don't have that Judeo-Christian concept that, you know, we were sent here commissioned by some su supreme being to farm and dominate our surroundings. Yuck. Yuck. <laughs> <laughs> or that we're going to be Cartesian and yeah. or Newtonian and break everything up into little tiny pieces and parts. Right. You know, I, I, I listen to things like people speaking about shamanic consciousness and this, and I'm thinking, are you kidding me? There's no such thing as shamanic consciousness. There's just consciousness. Mm. There's no such thing as the as the natural and supernatural world. There's just one world. Beautiful. Beautiful. They don't make those divisions. Right. They don't have words for spiritual or or supernatural doesn't exist in their language. So it's a whole, it's a, uh, it's a whole vibration. It's, nothing yes, it's, is it's, separate. It's, I'm nothing, sorry. Nothing is separate, so you can make pieces of it. Yes, you, you, you can't break it down into its constituent components, absolutely. That's very Western. Yeah, yeah. And everything is about relationship. Right. And that is key, the intimate relationship of self and other. Uh, come down into that for us and tell us about how, how it looks and what it feels like and what it is. and other, they believe, first of all, that we're all good guests in this world, right? We're here for a certain amount of time, but, um, but their whole, the, the whole structure of how they are, how they live in the world, is, is very similar to the Greek word xenia, which is the guest-host relationship, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, we're either... Let's see, how, how could I define that? Okay. Um, culturally, they're more like a meritocracy. Okay, they're not a democracy and a meritocracy on, on, within that. Everybody is, is allowed to be an individual. And that their culture and or their society would not impose somebody being other than who they truly are on them, okay? And at the same time, as your most individual self, you also have a responsibility 
uh, to to the culture that you come from, so that everything everything that goes on, I mean, is that balance. It they they view nature as uh, as a system of uh, complementary and let's see how would I define that a um, collaborative and cooperative experience rather than something competitive they don't they they view that the natural human being is kind generous always helping other people uh, thinking of the other relating to the other but there's not that but they don't do that because they feel the need to do that. They would say that that is the natural state of, of a human, that we are collaborative, cooperative, and that our relationships to others is absolutely important. I mean, we are all primates, so to speak, right? Mm, yeah. Social relationships are very important. And that you... You know, it's it, it. You know, it would it would be like saying, "Okay, Joanna. Every, I mean, every the, the, everybody's in in the ocean. We're like all in the ocean. They're not into trans transcendence in the idea that you're going to just dissolve and become one with everything. They go, no, 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 no. We're all in the ocean, and you're a wave. I'm a wave, and Joanna, you're a wave, and I'm over here waving at you, and you're over there waving at me, and we're all waves in the ocean." Waves and that, waving, I love that. And that we're all individual. And when you know that, when you know that you're absolutely connected, it just makes you more individual. That's a dream. That's so wonderful. Please, well, you know, I, I don't mean to trot out dear old Tim here, yeah, but right. he was absolutely right. Yes, 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 you absolutely. Know, no, I, I, I don't. I, as I said, I don't mean to trot him out, but he was absolutely right when he said, turn on, tune in, and drop out, which most people don't understand that what he's talking about is awareness and, and consciousness and, and the unified harmony of tuning in and dropping out, which is pure self-reliance. Self-reliance, beautiful. I got you. Yeah, obviously you got me. <laughs> well, as I said, I, I hate, I hate to, I hate to trot him out, but but, um, but that's relationship. That, that is relationship. That, it's very simple. Yeah. Tim got it right, and and good old Alan Watts got Alan it right. Alan Watts, what a what a marvelous <laughs> being. I mean, to me, playing. Playing is the most important thing there is. And the Ulchi would say that too, because really? you want to know something about the Ulchi? They're the hippies. Uh, they're totally into peace, love, and rock and roll. Oh my God, and they're going to disappear in this century? Oh, oh I know. It's the, it's the numbers racket. When oh, you get yeah, down yeah, that yeah. low, oh, and yeah. you're basically not marrying outside of your, of yeah. your own tribal yeah. group, yeah. it's just... Unfortunately, it's it's on its way. But, let but me, they don't care. Let me, let me tell people, uh, I never do this, but you're writing it down, and you have written a lot of the songs down, and a lot of the testimonies, the, the life words of these people, and it's in this book, so... 
people, somebody's writing it down for our evolution. And, That's right. Yeah. And you want to know something else, Joanna? When I, I told them about that, I want to write this down for mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, they thought I was crazy. And they actually see that as being very Eurocentric because they don't care. They don't care if it doesn't get written wow. down, if, if, if they just become extinct and go on to wherever we all are going on to. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's so inspiring. That's so inspiring. And it doesn't have to be courageous if you see yourself in a dance with everything else. Well, and see, that's it, too. And that's why knowing the language is important. It's for them, everything is a verb. Everything is a verb. There is no Joanna doing the dance. Joanna There's Ing. There's just the dancing. There's Joanna Ing. Yeah, there's Joanna Ean, or there's just the dancing, <laughs> right? There's no, you know, you become so completely absorbed with the, ex it's only the experience. It's only a verb. That's how they view life. Oh, please, listeners, hear this. This is, this is just so, so important. Uh, this is food for the life force. Well, I... Yes, I, I, I was very when when I met these when I met these people and it's like I, I thought I was I'm I, and I'm sorry to bring myself into this Please conversation. Please bring yourself. My, well, I, I keep myself out of the book. Is I, I, my, the book is not about me, as you well know. Yeah. There's only yeah. you know I, it's not about me. But it was like wow, they're like they're like the old hippie days. You know, it's like great. Let's hang out. Let's drum. Let's do this. Let's sing together. I mean, they're and when you're with them, my God, it's like living in an Oscar and Hammerstein. <laughs> You know, musical, right in the middle of something, they'll start singing. They'll sing about this, and they'll be doing something right in the middle of a conversation. It's like, wow, a living musical. I'm on my way. I'm, I'm leaving today. <laughs> yes, oh, absolutely. They make a song of everything. You know, they don't, you know, their healing is a healing. They don't call it a healing. They call it a singing. Beautiful. They call the work that they do a singing, and they and a person's experience that are profound. They don't call it an experience; they call it a legend. Ooh. Yeah, each life a legend. Each moment, each major each experience moment. that you have is, is, is a legend, and you sing those legends. And if you sit down with them and you say, "Well, can you tell me a?" a they, they they tell me a story about this if they if they decide to want to tell you anything, yeah. which you know they'll just start singing to you, and you know the language. Yes, and the people that get to attend their ceremonies in their village, who know the language, they get to follow along almost vicariously. They're kind of swept away by this song, this narrative of the experience. And they like uh, they like the herb. Well, they you know they um, they don't have any prohibitions when it comes to 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 uh, hallucinogenic or right. anything. Right. You know, it's why it's, it's from nature. Nature 
gave it to us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, they'll, you know, so, I mean, sometimes with, with people, I, you know, it's just like, you know, go home, take your drum, have, have a beer or two, smoke some pot, mm-hmm. have a good time. <laughs> play, play and sing and dance, okay. Sing and dance, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I have a couple of notes here, and uh, one thing I really like is the frog fell from heaven and people were born. I know, that's an interesting creation myth, isn't it? Yes, yeah, I love creation myths. Right. So maybe you could tell us a couple. I don't know. Creation myths, I don't know about the... You know, you, you, you've got to, you know, you have to... I, that's one of the cre- I mean they've got so many creations I don't know frogs fell from heaven and and people came here and and things and different species started talking to each other it's like okay I I would I I never really try I, I don't think that there's any metaphorical or deep information in in those in those stories that you have to sit around and intellectually ponder them for great lengths of time that is a, they have lots of different creation stories and and as i said philosophically they're into absolute ambiguity which most westerners can't understand Mm. So there'll be one, and then there'll be something that'll be contradictory, and then, you know, some people will have, you know, if you want to interpret it, we'll have these interpretations, and it's like, okay, and then somebody else in the culture will have a different cultural interpretation. That's okay, and everybody will have their own ideas about things, but things are not necessarily set in stone. Everybody can interpret however they want to. So, as I said, their creation myths are... They're fascinating. I and as I think I wrote in the book that uh, grandmother Nijista, you know, she said, uh, you know, if I were to sit here and tell you all the creation myths in our culture, it would, you know, it would take all day. I mean, yeah. there's just so many. So as I said, that's just one of their tales. Right. Who knows? That's Who knows what it means? I always remind people: you cannot f the ineffable. Yeah, yeah, great. Exactly. Beautiful. Everything's a parfait. It's nuanced. It's deep. It's yeah. layered. Ambiguous. Ambiguous. That's uh, hard to handle after a, a, a Cartesian education. Well, absolutely. If you want to study this culture, you have to, you know, liberate yourself from your Western cultural ideas, which is easier said than done, of course. Yep, yep, yep. So you have a chapter that's called Shamanic Healing and the Soul. Right. Tell us a little bit about it. Well, uh, okay, I and I use those terms only in only because I'm writing this book for Westerners. Right. So when I talk about shamanic healing for the soul, that's what, as I said, that's that's a kind of a Western interpretation. Right. And so um, the healing, which, as I said, is called a yayi. It's called a singing. They don't call it a healing. It's a singing. 
Mm-hmm. And um, when they think of souls, they believe that the soul is kind of a, it, 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 as I said, it's like a parfait. It's very nuanced. There are different aspects of the soul. But they don't break it into a, a personality uh uh, in, into some sort of psychological personality. There, there are various psychological parts to our nature, et cetera, et cetera. When, when they talk about the soul, they, they, if, if Westerners, like the idea of soul retrieval is sort of a, a, it's a made-up thing here in the, in the West um, because they don't do soul retrieval. Soul is is that part of yourself that, that goes to the dreamland every night. So that particular part of yourself that comes and goes um, during those intervals where you are actually asleep, that's the, that part of, of, of the self, so to speak, is when, when your health is not doing well, whether emotionally or psychologically or physically, that's the part that they go after to find that that's been sort of lost or it's, it's not even lost it just doesn't want to deal with you anymore mm-hmm. you know it, it's it's like there's this like if you are a person that has a tendency to to always be in a state of depression or you catastrophize or you're physically not in good health or you're not taking care of yourself your your physical body they they believe that 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 soul part says, God, I don't want to live there. Who wants to live in that? You know, who wants to live in that shell? It's it's awful. It's horrible, right? You know, so it will make a, a, a conscious choice to disengage with the physical body. And when it does so, the physical it just compounds the problems a the the, the person's having. So the shaman's job, so to speak, is not so much to as I said, it's not a. It's not really, re, you know, taking the soul and putting it back into the body. It's it's more as if when they go out and they take the soul and they find that that errant part of the personality, they come back and they put it in a safe place mm-hmm. because it's acting like a hooligan out there. It's acting like it's an adolescent teenager just going, I don't want to be over there. But it, So it would be like a, a part of your life force, your chi, has made a conscious choice yeah. to go elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. And so that's, as I said, I'm, I'm using these, these, these very kind of Western terms to try to give you an example of uh, how they would view things. But I, as I said, I, it's just so so much deeper and so much more nuanced that it, it's hard to describe things. I mean, I'm being abstract and, but it, you know, it, it doesn't, I, I it, that's my best way of interpreting right. that idea of, of the soul and, and, and the healing. The healing is about finding, finding that errant part or piece and, and bringing it back closer to mm-hmm. the, human vessels so that uh, like the, the life force is, is restored or 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 it's brought back into close proximate proximate um, close uh, physical contact now these people who um, have uh, 
been able to conserve uh, a sense of harmony in the dance. What are they dying from? How does their life end? Um, how does their life end? Yeah. Well, traditionally, in the past, and uh, these, I mean, these people would live way into their 90s and 100s. Right. So they just, they just died of old age that, you know, right. that we're all heading toward. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, so, I mean, sometimes there would be accidents if you were out hunting and fishing, but um, most of these people live very, very long lives. Uh, the, the children didn't. In, in the in the before Soviet medicine came in there, now uh, it wasn't uncommon, you know, that that an that an Ulchi man would have a couple of wives, and especially in grandmother Nadia's uh, family, uh, her her father had two wives. Between the two of them, they had what was it, twenty eight or twenty nine kids between the two wives, but only five children survive beyond the first couple of years of life. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. at that time, uh, you know, only one, only 25% of your children would live beyond, you know, a couple of years just due to the harsh uh, climate. Yeah. So... Um, what a heavy price to, for the women to pay for continuity. Absolutely. That's absolutely. Good. Because they were basically always pregnant. Yeah. But, um, you know, with with Western Soviet, Soviet medicine, Western medicine, same thing. Uh, now that now that uh, they don't have to be too concerned about that, you know, their the, the, their family sizes are much smaller, just one or one or two children. And so, I mean, so that that's, you know, that's that's wonderful in that way. But you, you, you've got to remember these, you know, who is going to take care of you right when you're old and you're living in the villages. I mean, you've got to have some surviving children. Yes, yes. It's interesting because my mother, who was Polish, used to say that they lived a long time because they ate a lot of yogurt. <laughs> that, was, that was the medicine she heard. Oh, good. Well, I'm sure that helped. I mean, that has all those great microorganisms uh, in it. So, yeah. So, well, absolutely, absolutely. No, the, the, they, there, I mean, there were times of starvation in their mm -hmm. culture. There were times that the fish weren't running or they, you know, and that was their primary source of uh, food. But, um, you know, the, the idea that the people lived until elderly, elderly times was more common than not. So... Even as I said, even in those harsh climates. So, and they said that living a nice long life was kind of a gift from, a gift from the spirits. So, I, I find it so uh, fascinating that, uh, in a way, shamanism is a gift. Shamanizing is a gift of relationship. I mean, the deeper you are in relationship with it, you are aware that that you're a speck in relationship in the relationship of everything, I yes, guess. And there's no separation. Right, right. There's no separation. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So, uh, yes, so that, yeah. that's... Um, 
as I said, it was it was a, a wonder to meet these people. Yes, yes. They said it's like living out the sixties. Let's hang out and jam. Yes. <laughs> yes. Here, take out your guitars, take out your drums. Let's you know, let's relate to each other. Yes. Let's have actual relationships to each other. Exactly. And part of the relationship, as I said, when you talk about these nuances, um, you know, they communicate by being silent. They talk to you in silence. Now, people say silence. Well, yes, but there are all sorts of different types of communication, right? This is, you know, it's a nonverbal communication. They can sit next, you can sit next to these people for hours and have maybe one or two words between you, and you've had a wonderful connection because you intuitively sense the other person. They what always drove them crazy here in the West was that people in the West, and I, I know I know it frustrated them because I would have to translate these questions from audience members to them. They, you know, well, and they don't think in abstractions. They don't believe in symbols. You know, they don't they don't perceive reality in that way. Their question is like, well, how do you feel? Well, no, I don't want to know how you think. We don't, you know, we don't operate that way. How do you feel? They, in all of their relation, and you know this too, this is true with you. I mean, I don't know who your close relationships are, Joanna, but you, you know, you've got your, your family members and then you've got your, then your close friends and then you're kind of outside those circle friends, et cetera, et cetera. But, but. But silently, you're, you know, you're, you're just sitting next to people that are close to you, and you know what their natural way of being or their nature is. You don't even have to ask a question. You know if they're out of sorts or they're not feeling well or they're nervous or they're worried. You just know that. You don't, right? Yes, of course. And you don't have to talk about it. Because I care. Because I care. Because you have an intimate relationship with these people <laughs> that you developed over time. You, you feel them. Yeah, yeah. You feel them. You sense them. And, and in, it, the more we develop that with, with trees, with cats, with people in the grocery store... The, I said, the happier I am. Absolutely, when you can make those connections. But, you know, they would say it's not about developing it. Yeah, no. You don't need you. to develop it. It's there automatically. I, it's like it, it's perceiving with the senses. It's It's like, you know, it's like this is, you know, nature, the world, right? Okay, we... we when we when we perceive things, we don't. There's no effort there. You your your eyes don't need to go out and get the light. The light comes to them. Your you know uh, sound comes to the ears. Uh, touch comes to the hand. There's no effort in that, right? Right. We take in a volume. Right, everything, everything that our senses pick up, we take in a volume. Nature is the volume. <gasps> wow! So that Joanna, you don't have to learn anything. <sighs> That's the thing that that just drives me crazy. It's not this stuff is not about techniques or this or that. You have to do things by rote. It's already there. You're just not paying attention to it, right? Thank you, Jen. You know, yeah, you're just not paying attention to it. You, 
that's already happening. That information is coming in. You don't have to, you know, it's like me saying, well, Joanna, you know, who taught you how to grow your hair? You know, <laughs> hey, Joanna, you know, who, who taught you how to go to sleep? You know, you, yeah. it's natural. There's no effort. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, when you can have those connections with people, right, and, and they're relating to you, it's all about relationship. It's adorable. Well, all I can say is from the Ulchi standpoint, it, it's just nature, reality, the universe. It just is what it is. Yeah, and there's a lot of beautiful songs from the 60s and 70s about that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. I. You, you don't want me to go on one of my diatribes about the the you know the successive generations after our generation, but um, you know, right. you know. Right. I mean, you remember? You know, I used to think, God, I remember on my my old Volkswagen bus. Didn't I have a bumper sticker that says "Kill your television"? Yeah, that's. You remember sure. that? It's yes, like where sure. the bumper stickers kill your iPhone. Kill your computer. I know. I know. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, well. It's like, where, why are we getting together and hanging out and playing music together and, you know, and enjoying ourselves and talking to each other? I mean, think about, think about what we used to do in the 60s, for God's sake. I mean, we related to one another. Yep. Yep. That's what... That's what got me the first time I got off the plane in Washington, D.C., and it was the biggest demonstration. It was uh, against the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and directly off the plane, the person took me to the, to the monument, and I sat with people, and as you just described, we were relating an apple, a joint, a song. It was incredible. I thought, this, 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 this is heaven. People are sitting together and relating. And that's the way the Ulchi have always been. That is what the Ulchi has, has always said is our most natural state. And they also, our natural state of being. That's what this call, and that's why not only was I like absolutely attracted to them, they looked at me and the way they like said, oh, we get you, are all Americans like you? Wow. And I said, oh good, they're, you know, they're, they're validating my aberrant behavior mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> in this culture. It's like, oh, I, I said, oh no, 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 Americans aren't like this, I'm sorry. It's yeah. like, oh, okay. But it's like, it, I, I wish, I wish that you can meet them as I, you know, all the teachers have since passed on. But um, you would, I think that you would feel absolutely normal and natural and at home with them. It's a good idea, Jan. It's a very, very good idea. <laughs> now, let me ask you, I would like uh, two gifts in closing. And one is, uh, especially for me, because I've been, uh, I've been wanting that for a few hours, I'd like you to to say a few sentences in the language 
And then another thing, perhaps just in closing, you would read us a little bit of a song that you've transcribed. Okay. Um, let me see. So for people that want to hear, here's a, a basic introduction to the Manchu Tungus language. Uh, if you were to say hello, you'd say, Soro de. And you'd say, How are you? Hon BC. Aya. I'm very good, thank you. Mm-hmm. So that's unless you want me to go on and on and on, um, that's just that's just an easy way, an easy, quick interpretation of or their spoken word. Right, right. Um, yeah, it's it's very easy to pronounce. Um, it's much easier than than Chinese because it's not based on tones. Um, it is a complex language because it has eight cases. You know, so I'm going, oh my God, eight cases like Sanskrit, right? So it's a, it's complex. But it, as I said, it's very, very easy. And I, because it, I was taught, it's an oral language, so I had to learn to speak it uh, through tapes and um, discussions. It was not written. Good. Yeah, I mean, I find it easier to learn a language through sound. That's what through I sound, yeah. absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So a um, a song, a little song. piece of a song in closing. A piece of a song in closing. Let me look at. Is okay. Oh, let me find one from okay. Grandfather Misha. Okay. He was he was a, an amazing poet. His grandfather Misha um, uh, doing a, uh, doing a singing uh, for a group of people when he was here. And so the, the one thing that I always like to tell people about is that this is this is he is the best way to see this. He is in those other worlds, even though, as I said, I, I hate using mm-hmm. this, this dualistic way of talking, mm-hmm. but he is in this other place or another place. And so what people are going to hear is what is coming out of his mouth, unrehearsed and spontaneous. Good. Okay. Uh, blue star. I have traveled to the blue star. Three stars within the center star where I strengthen myself. Grandmother, grandfather, help me find my shaman's pillar. My mother, who was a twin, has raised me. The two sacred spears will guard me and guide me. Mother, do not follow me. I cannot find my place on the road of my father. My size is small. I have traveled here by these two cities. Sister, please listen to me. I have traveled these two cities, and I am singing here. Don't be offended by what I do. Grandmother, don't cry. I am simply singing here. I am simply showing what I know, sharing what I know with these people. I'll, I'll just end end that there. Yes, yes, I hear you. Well, it was absolutely delicious to be with you. <laughs> oh, I, I I love your Epicurean comments. <laughs> <laughs> it was delicious. I have looked so forward to speak to you and um, and thank you. Um, 
future primitive is something that should be on everyone's number one podcast playlist. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. And so no. don't forget everyone out there to contribute to keep future primitive alive and going strong. Oh, very sweet. All right. <laughs> Big hug. <laughs> <laughs>